pushing the boundaries of expectations, rewriting the rules of adventure are the reasons we get up in the morning. We share your hunger for a life without limits. Welcome back to the Kinetic Believers Haven for Insights. KBs, if you don't know what to choose, choose life. If you don't know what to think, think abundance. And if you don't know what to say, well, just stop saying things. Seriously, speak encouragement. Champion yourself and others, and whether they champion you or not, go ahead and do it. Celebrate and edify your exquisite self. And do it with positive words of gratitude. So glad to have all of you back with us again today. This is, you know, that people don't really use bumpers, do they, for their podcasts like we do. It's like old-time radio, but I like it. Oh, I love it. Like it. Yeah, well, it, it feels definitive. It's like, like here, here we are. People can hear us um, now. I like it. It's coming into the beat of a marching band or something. <laughs> I need to be. We talk so much <laughs> off air. I need to be reminded that we're being recorded. <laughs> we, you are on. Text the word kinetic to eight four four eight four four zero zero four nine, and uh, we'll send you an occasional encouraging text message. StephenCanyon.com is the website. Follow us on Instagram at Stephen Canyon, and make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Let's see. Listening around the world right now: the United States, United Kingdom, Zambia, Zambia. Canada, Australia, India, South Africa, Netherlands is tuned in, Sweden, Germany, Belgium, uh, Chile, or is it Chile? I like Chile. I do too. Chile makes me hungry. Chile, Austria, <laughs> Brazil. Chilies. Yes. Kenya, <laughs> Lithuania, Singapore, Spain, Ireland, Argentina, just to name a few. Hey, everybody. Hello. You know, I am, Meg, you were just saying that you'd like to go sailing. I would. I would, yes. You would like to. Or you will like to? You would like I to. I currently would enjoy you am liking the to. concept <laughs> oh. of sailing. Would you sail across the ocean with no, me? No, no. Let, let me finish. No. <laughs> <laughs> what if we're going to Italy? <laughs> I mean, I get freaked out just being in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's true. Oh, well. no, it's, I mean, because obviously the, the the very first thought that's conjured is looking at 360 and, and it's only water and you and whatever. Well, you've got the sky, you've got the stars at night. and Well, I can't really access those. You've got <laughs> God's I? creatures beneath us and the sound of whales I, and whatever. I think but. some sort of island hopping situation would be really fun, maybe down in the... Caribbean. Just kind of going around and around an island or something. Well, from one island to another. So oh, you could, that one you could do the open sea thing. A little bit. Maybe I'd like to have, you know, like one, I, I would like to never be out of sight of land. <laughs> I got out of sight of land. Now on, on boats and done, I like to sail, but I got out of sight of land in a, a, a single person little kayak out See, that's in not the good. ocean. And I, and the, the, the guy that I was with, he was in another kayak, got hit from underneath and it bounced. It, it oh Something gosh. hit him so hard. He came up, the, the no. kayak came up out of the water and splashed back down. Okay. You're not, not helping it. your case here. Not kidding. But we were in these little yellow kayaks and I, I told him, I said, you know, we look like pieces of cheddar cheese floating around out here. Maybe we should. <laughs> cheddar cheese. <laughs> you felt like cheddar life. cheese. Well, I How didn't How did you know which then. way to turn though? It's not like you're out there with... A compass or something. You well, couldn't see land. No, but I had a, I had a sense of where I oh my word. had come from. See, this is not good. I don't want to rely on your your sense of where to go. <laughs> not, I want it anyway. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I love the idea of sailing, though. Just go around maybe the world. Not. What an adventure. Oh my gosh. Would you do it in a hot air balloon? No. See, there's your kryptonite. Well, you can't. <laughs> but I, I always feel like a hot air balloon, you don't have really control of anything except up and oh. down. You don't. I want to steer. 
I need a rudder. Now, if a hot air balloon, if you had a... <laughs> a rudder. A rudder. <laughs> or something. Sure. Okay. Well, we've learned a lot about each other. Well, you've said you would love to fly a plane as long as you could, like, drag a foot in the water. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I just I want to I want to soar, but this maybe not this too is... close to the sun. Well, you know the universe responds to the anticipations of all of us. Yes, there is a response. We Indeed. can sit here and laughing about all this, but as we anticipate, either with an anxiety of <laughs> and a tinge of fear. Are you telling me I'm manifesting a? I'm just a trip saying the that world. the universe will respond. <laughs> okay, it just simply agrees with you. Noted. Right. Anticipations <laughs> are. They're just expectations that have been mindfully articulated. Mm. You know, you've had reasons for everything that you've just said. And, and oh, they're, yeah. they're valid, obviously. That's one thing I have, Steve, are reasons. Validated reasons. <laughs> you and you agree. Opinions and reasons. <laughs> but even so, <laughs> yes. the, the articulation of an expectation, Maggie, it can happen just a nanosecond. It can just happen yeah. immediately. Or... Like we're doing, we can sit around and debate whether or not you should go sailing with me where you can't see land, and we can reason with it, and we can even cast, you could say, to the wayward winds of the objective collective over a period of time, the reasonings, and come up with a definitive um, expectation for experiences. But regardless of the pathway leading to the anticipatory anxieties the anxiety itself becomes the ultimate dictator of what is to come so yeah. i think it's the gallant um expectations of the hero heading out across the sea that has the most likely uh possibility of being successful in the <laughs> arrival in italy yes than the one who won't go out past the breakers indeed and i think that the word anticipation is an interesting one because we typically use the word expectation all by itself. And so we're all kind of used to that term, expectation. But anticipation, uh, for me, it, it rings a little differently because when I think of anticipation, it, it's maybe it feels a little bit more natural, something that sort of just kicks in automatically when maybe mm -hmm. a, a really positive possible outcome is, is presented or even a possible negative outcome. And so that's, mm. that, that's a more, that's a, an awareness. That's a great point because, level. because an, an, a natural anticipation often results from, in fact, more often than not results from information, mm. either yes. an abundance of it or a lack of yeah. it. Yeah. New data has been <laughs> presented to you. Well, there's a scripture yeah. in the Bible that says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. just the lack of that's knowledge it. that creates the expectation. So good or bad, in a way that's more or less, anticipations and expectations are being articulated. But you know something? Only humans with the ability to articulate questions are really in a position that <laughs> this really even matters. Because as long as the question remains, well, let's just say humbly prosed, okay? You, you've got a question, but you're humbly submitting the question to the universe, and you're doing it within an attitude that is seeking higher wisdom. Mm. The anticipation for higher wisdom, now that is going to attract just that. Mm. Higher wisdom beyond what you already know, beyond experiential experiences. Godly advice. However, it's in the same way that positive expectations extract conversations with higher consciousness from out of the ethereal of the universe it, by... It's a manipulating ego that's continually needing to be validated by negatively exciting the universe, mm. uh, negatively uh, 
say, creating a, a question that is a, expecting a negative answer just to validate the negative expectation, if that makes sense. Well, and the biggest difference between those two scenarios that you just laid out is the relationship factor. So, you know, the first one you described, humbly posing your question to the universe, anticipating higher wisdom to come to you, that that just rings of an incredibly healthy relationship with the universe. It's 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 highly functional. It's it's it's, it's operating and vibrating exactly how it's supposed to be. And then when you just described the ego relationship, that felt highly dysfunctional. Um, and so there's something to be said for using tools properly and using them how they are meant to be used. So you're saying as far as Italy goes, there's a chance. <laughs> you, you've seen the light. <laughs> well, I'll see what higher wisdom. I'm anticipating wisdom from higher source. So nothing really to see here. This is just business as usual, by the way. You know, welcome to God's playhouse for advancing the development of higher consciousness. Mm. I don't know. There's, there's an adventure and there's a journey to be had in all of our lives when we can get our lower selves out of the way. Well, and I'm still feeling the description. You know, it was such a, a vivid description when you showed the two parallel sides of living in ego and what mm. that relationship to the universe and then um, pursuing highest self. And, and I like the word you said, humility, because that is what it requires, isn't it? It's this, it's this sense of, I don't, I'm not trying to, I'm going to let the facade drop. I'm not going to try to project something uh, so that I can be seen a certain way. I just need the purity of existence and understanding and and development right now. And that's what humility is, is saying, you know, okay, I recognize my part in all of this. And the mm. universe, God, higher wisdom, higher consciousness has its part. Yeah. And I'm going to trust in that. After all, it wasn't by my own will and might that I popped into the onto the planet here. So obviously <laughs> something else is going on. And Sometimes. I'm going to trust that. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if if it was a little easier for me to have a relationship with higher source because the moment I try to put on a front or, you know, be cool or put on a facade, it falls apart immediately. I mean, I'm going to fall in a hole, <laughs> you know. Again, again, I just saw it. Right? You know, I'm looking at myself again. in a window thinking, man, I look pretty good today. And then boom, Lonely. I mean, it's immediate. I mean, Face plant. I'm just not good at it. So I think that's actually been an asset to to me in life. I'm just not good at the facade. Yeah. yeah. You know, all, all of us are, we are all spiritual beings mm, having yes. a natural experience of just relating to creation, yes. relating to that which is beyond us or not. Because in the, in the wheelhouse of casual observations, we are in a relationship. I mean, like it or not, what we rationalize or inherently believe about our relationship with all things becomes us. Mm. We attract more of that. And in the same way, the expectations of any observer changes the way that quantum particles react. Our anticipations creatively, what they do is they decree that it must be. Mm. And so it is. By way of creation, we discover exactly what it is that we value in life. The people that you know, you know, when you, as you meet people and you, in, on the road of life, you are discovering what they value by way of creation. And a self-prophesied experience evolves quite efficiently to either the... Uh, emulation of its roots, if you will, or the, the, the grandeur of flourishing mm. 
And so all humans are, uh, by default, we are all creative creators. That's the original identity of all of us. And we are withdrawing what we will from the building blocks of the universe, which is really just a process of discovery. And it's to our delight or dismay that we are proceeding through life. And so this is the grace of a gratuitous universe that's in session. And we are all just immersed within its cosmos. Mm -hmm. And so the question, what is good? It can't be answered from within its boundaries. Not really. We can look around and imagine what we believe to be good, but within the constructs of what is, we can't really answer the question. And so from within the reaches of this expanding experience, for example, you know, so there is, we, we tend to make uh, knee-jerk decisions based upon what we believe we need. Mm. Yes. But really and truly, there is no need. Only, only once we as believers define something as being either missing or present, do we define it as being a need or not. Mm. But there's no need in this universe. Not really. There's no need in this world. In fact, uh, a benevolent God doesn't even respond to needs as we define it. I mean, if, if a, a benevolent creator did respond to needs, well, think about it. There wouldn't be any needs in the world. Right. Yeah. The only substance within the uh, Petri dish of creation that attracts a response from higher consciousness is belief. And so the presence of things hoped for, for example, has the power to excite change within billions of billions of spheres of influence simultaneously if necessary all at once on this planet. Well, and what you're describing right now, it's it's having an interesting effect in my own mind. It's it's reminding me to always expand. You know, wh what the universe allows us to do is to expand with it. It makes us so great and it just blows out all of the the petty thoughts when we you were mentioning observation a moment ago and for example, there's a relationship that I have, and it's had some twists and turns lately, and I think I've been maybe overanalyzing it lately. It's not ours, Steve. <laughs> I think you know that. <laughs> well, well over, overanalyzing wasn't the key, wasn't the, the, the clue, because that is what it is. <laughs> it, it be what it be. So, But no, but it's, it's interesting. It made me realize that, it, and through this process of, process of observation and analyzing, this relationship, my mind, my focal point has become quite small and tiny and, and way too intricate. And so when we're reminded of our place in the universe and our relationship to it in the proper way, it blows all that up and it expands us beyond imagination. And that's where we're, that's the space that we're supposed mm -hmm. to be living in mm -hmm. all the time. And so, and that's why, that's a good example too, of why these podcasts, why journaling, why um, really great books and, and why those are so important because no matter how good we become, at this process and at this lifestyle, we have to be reminded constantly because it's just, it's human. It's part of our experience and, and we, we're going to be constantly chasing that. Well, as you said, you know, even imagination has a, a very real part of it. An extensive part of an imagination is still logical because mm. we are conjuring, to use your word, it, up this, this idea of a higher viewpoint for the way we desire things to be, mm -hmm. even from the point of imagination, when we are in ego constructing these thoughts. Yeah. I like what Frank Herbert wrote in his novel, Dune, which, by the way, I saw the, the movie of recently. 
which didn't make a lot of sense. So I go back to, I defer to his book, but Dune, and he, he wrote in that, he said, deep in the human unconsciousness is a pervasive need for a logical universe that makes sense. But the real universe is always one step beyond logic. The real universe is a one step beyond our imagination, mm. one step beyond what we believe to be possible for ourselves. Wow. And that's the letting go of. Yeah. That's the trust in the greater, the yeah. trust in the transcending experience, transcending experiences of our own uh, touchy-feely Mm-hmm. existence. And how wonderful is that, that? That this is something that's always going to be just beyond the edge of our expectation and reality because, you know, without that, it, everything that you see is reality. And well, how depressing. It's it, everything <laughs> you see is a tacit of the logical. <laughs> but yes, if that was how, all there is. How ugh, sad. Jeez, you know, because so we are meant to, we are discoverers. You know, we're meant, to, we're built for that. We're built for adventure and discovery and evolution. So, that's how it must be. And that it's sad sense. when what you're built for is not yes. being manifested. No, right. it, it's not logical that every human being is actually in control of the substance for all things hoped for. Mm-hmm. That's not logical in, in the terms of the higher consciousness experience in this realm. Mm-hmm. But we are. As illogical as that is, we are still in... Con- we, we possess within us the illogical Thank God. (laughs) Thank God for that. Yeah. (laughs) Because, look, the universe, which contains the inexhaustible source for all things, sustains the relationship of the creator with human beings, and it does it through the power of kinetic belief. There, honestly, you know, there is no hell that's worse than that in which one lives without knowing it. Mm. And Mm. so, so... It's, it's the, the, the proper perspective of your, I don't, I I dislike the phrase lot in life. I don't believe there's a lot in life. I think that, that, you know, life unfolds according to the expectations of one in their journey, but maybe a starting point. Yeah. But, (laughs) but if without knowledge, and that goes back to what we said, people perish without it. Um, and it's a disastrous experience and it's, it's a, horrible thing to be uh, responsible for burying yourself, putting yourself down. One of the most exciting privileges that we all have as co-creators of the universe is the authority to have whatever it is that we desire. So to that extent, human beings can imagine and attract all things conceivable for advancing the mind, body, spirit, and the soul toward perfected completion, which is the way of the universe. And so a belief when it's no longer being questioned by the one that's believing, you know, it's absent the, the second guessing. Yes. That's what creates this kinetic energy field, which rapid fires constructive commands to the quantum building blocks for all things and circumstances begin to change the miraculous begins to show up and it shows up without explanation no explanations required or even desired by the one that's operating in kinetic belief Mm, wow so by not giving up on the continuum of our original dreams going back to the beginning hopes and aspirations which are are just the key connectors to yours, mine, everybody's original purpose, the increase of our experiential knowledge as we go through day to day and our habitual patterns of thought 
will manifest the original concept of us, the, the genius of purpose that you were put on this planet for. And it's a one-of-a-kind version of the human species that is a unique and beautiful masterpiece. And isn't this why, that, why journaling is so effective? Because I remember you said one time this, I've thought about this and used this concept many, many times. Um, you said, you know, the, the best way to get through the emotional bits, the maybe you're mentally off a little bit, you're not feeling so good or whatever, um, is to make sure to recognize that there's Megan one and there's Megan two. And, you know, Megan one needs to always be telling Megan two what to do. And when I journal, for example, that's always Megan one, the things I write, it's me telling that part of myself how things are going to be. And what my, um, what, you know, you just mentioned being fully, you know, fully convinced and fully committed to a, a belief and an idea. And that's such a huge, huge part of that. And that's how we're going to navigate all of this is being able to tap into that part of ourselves um, on command. Well, one of the earliest experiences of modern humans after the advent of writing was that of a phylactery. And this was just a little small piece of paper that was hung before their eyes in in an earliest concept, perhaps, of journaling. And it's of a higher viewpoint to continually remind oneself of what can be if you cast down the negative. And, And so through the process of journaling, that's where... If you begin to write something that's negative, you can go, nope, no, I'm not. Cross that out. <laughs> not anymore, I'm not. And you replace that then with a higher viewpoint for life. And yes. that's the first and most important challenge that we're going to master. And we do that through the process and the discipline of the journaling. Yeah. And you, that's how we come out, from every, come out from under every sense of condemnation. Oh, yeah. Rather, it's been, you know, in turn, well, it's always up to you to receive one or not. So mm-hmm. really, you're the author and finisher of every mm-hmm. condemnation that you adhere to. Well, I think when, and just to sit on that for a moment, um, I think probably the most difficult seeds of con- of condemnation are ones that were planted bef- when you were maybe younger. And you didn't quite realize that you had control over these things. And so what happened what happened was <laughs> what, is, happened. what happened was is <laughs> these seeds of condemnation they become habits they they become condemnation and shame mm-hmm. and self-doubt habits which are quite different those are very personal and those become a part of you mm-hmm. and so what we're doing when we journal and when you know the first number 1 talks to number 2 is we're pulling everything like that up by the root we're replacing it we're we're rebuilding our garden because well because that's what's re- required Right. Well, if you are a manifesting kinetic believer, absolutely that's required because you're creating a new space, mm-hmm. a new place, new space within your sphere of influence for this new garden of growth. And so in that space, there are no negative imaginations that are being harbored anymore. You've done the work and you've pulled those up by the root and gotten rid of them. But even when a negative judgment about a KB comes from someone else, maybe you dealt with all the things from the past, but let's say next Monday at five o'clock, here comes another one and you're going to have to deal with it. But it's not, it's not a dream killer unless we begin to reason with it. And unless we begin to repeat it and we go and tell somebody else, well, you'll never believe what so-and-so just said or what they did or what they didn't do. It's not going to mess with what's going on in your life and in the growth and development unless you give it life by mm. by perpetuating it. Gosh, isn't that it? How many times in life have we, you know, resuscitated something that 
was on its last leg anyways. We should have just let it go and moved on, but we just keep breathing new life into it. That's... We're the ones that give it effect. Yes. Not the one that presents it yep. as an option for you. Mm-hmm. And so when we meditate on negative judgments, we're constructing and we're building a narrative that's going to ultimately just produce the life that we're going to experience. Every, every person is experiencing a life that's been created by something that they've been talking about. In other words, I can only say something that I've thought about and think about something that I'm reasoning with. I can't come and tell you what so-and-so did or what they said to me unless I take that information from them, I think about it, I dwell upon it, I reason with it, which I can only do from the egoic lower state of of consciousness. And and once I do that, then I come and I, I perpetuate it. And by perpetuating it, I'm internalizing it to become my reality. And this is how we create vacuums of expectations that are going to form the lives that all of us will experience. Wow, this is is so profound and powerful. And you can see visually, it's so easy to see how it works. You know, you hear you are what you eat. So, I mean, when we take in this negativity, we take in these toxic conversations. I mean, we're quite literally synthesizing them within ourselves and within our spirit. And so what what do you think is going to happen? I mean, it it makes absolute sense. If I I'm not careful. I'm going to become a one big peanut M and M. So, <laughs> thank God for my journaling. And I've got the nope. front the front row seat. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Humans, we we have the dominion and we have the creative authority to extract from the universe and mm. to change that which can be seen. Yes. That's powerful. That's good news, that's, isn't it? That's the thing that you do need to <laughs> write on a sticky note and stick on your forehead. <laughs> Just yes. every, For everyone to all see. day, every day, I need to be reminded <laughs> of this fact. That's well, it. because think about it. Maggie, every single human being actually wields a power that is so explosive, so raw, so vastly creative on the quantum level of particle attraction that... One must continually ask the question, what are you doing with your life? What do you think about? What are you afraid of? Why do you hope for the things that you hope for? I mean, is that wishful thinking? Or is your hope a sure expectation Mm. of things to come? Mm. The, the, The creative power keg that we're talking about, that we represent, it, ex- it explodes on the scene of our lives, continuously arranging and rearranging our circumstances. And the reconfiguring of our experiences are either constructive or destructive and are to be determined solely by how we think about what we think about. Mm. You're in control, <laughs> whether you believe it or not. You, all of us, are actually in control. And if you don't believe you're in control, then you're out of control by the willful disregard of your creative control. If you believe you are in control, then you're in control by the willful regard of your creative control. Mm. As a creative creator, don't wait to be inspired. I hear this all the time. You know, I'm just, I'm waiting. I'm just, I need inspiration. I've got to find it somewhere. I need to take a break so I can uh, rediscover myself and to be inspired to live this life again. No, don't wait to be inspired. Be the inspiration. And your life experiences will then change. With with the founding of, of Impressionism and, uh, of course, the advent of the paint tube, 
which was an invention courtesy of the American painter John Rand. Artists, painters all over the world were, for the first time, so excited to be able to walk out into nature, go out into the forest, go by the seaside, take their canvas and go out on a journey of experiences, get out of the, the studio and away from the grinding of the, the pigments. But to go out and out to the ponds and wherever and to, to paint the scenes that we can still lose ourselves in today. So, I mean, think about it. Van Gogh painted his uh, iconic Starry Night over the Rhone in the late 1800s, 1888, from a place that he visited all the time. It was in his backyard. <laughs> and it was about 500 feet from the Yellow House, which was his home while he, he lived in Arles. But th there was nothing special about the water's edge where he painted at all. You can go there today. Nothing special about it. There's just, just some weeds and grass and just a plain-looking uh, uh, river there. But actually, if you go there today, you can still tell that, yes, that is where he painted it, but the location itself is really is not inspiring. He was. Yes. He was the inspiration. Starry Night was done during one of his uh, productive, uh, those bursts of creativity that he wrote about. But even more sobering and to think about is it was done just a few months before he had his mental breakdown uh, and the one that culminated in, you know, the damage to his ear being cut and all that stuff and being put into that mental asylum. Yes. But before that, um, Vincent summed up the painting Starry Night in a letter to his brother and he said, he said, quote, he said, in short, the starry sky painted by night actually under a gas jet. The sky is aquamarine. The water is royal blue. The ground is mauve. The town is blue and purple. The gas is yellow and the reflections are russet gold and descending down to green bronze. On the aquamarine field of the sky, the great bear is a sparkling green and pink whose discreet paleness contrasts with the brutal gold of the gas. Two colorful figurines of lovers are in the foreground. Mm. And that's what he wrote about it. Art, in all of its various forms, Maggie, is just an outward expression of the vividness of an imagination. All art. When you hear Van Gogh describe what he was imagining while looking at an otherwise just ordinary landscape, you know, we're being given key to imaginations and it helps us to connect the dots in our own lives you know what does that vista appear to you as when you look out your kitchen window what is all of that regardless of the art form and it may be painting it could be sculpture literature architecture cinema music theater whatever the expression those are all formative dis disciplines that when meditated upon from within as a higher viewpoint for what you want to experience with an unwavering expectation to manifest the circumstances of our lives. Each day now, it, it becomes like a canvas for steady transformation. And through the presence of continuous, continual gratitude in all things, the present moment of now changes colors. Wow. You know, you began by 
by speaking to not waiting for inspiration to show up. And that, everything you just described, it took me to a, um, a teaching you did a long time ago, really just about the power of action and how, you know, your belief and your imaginations and all that is going to be dead if you can't apply some kind of action to it. And so the creative process is so personal and it's a constant reminder that if you show up, if you show up with the intent to, to pursue something and to achieve something, that is when the universe is going to meet you in that place. Not before. The universe is always on time, not early, not late. And so it's sort of this really beautiful, consistent leap of, of belief that we're constantly having to make into life, isn't it? So through creativity, if we're showing up anticipating inspiration to meet us there, um, that's quite different than exactly what you were just saying. It's You can't expect it, inspiration just to show up and then you run with it. Mm-hmm. It's something that you'll discover. Look within and you stir it yeah. up and you're the inspiration for it. Yeah. You decide to be inspiration, right? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, and, and something you said, and it's so true, Maggie, is that when you when you have the imagination for a thing without the action, it just, it's nothing more than a passing thought, Mm. but the action brings it into this realm. It, the action puts color on the canvas. The action captures the imagination and brings it forth into manifestation. Yes. And that ties everything together as well with what, what we were just discussing from the inspiration to it's creating a vacuum. Your your anticipation is creating this vacuum. And I just love how when you meet the universe in that place, it's everything you need is there. And there's so much that leads up to it from you. And there's so much that leads up to it from the universe. But it has created this garden, like we were just discussing, of perfection that it's a, I just, I just love the hand in hand journey that we get to have with the universe and knowing that all will be supplied from creativity to inspiration to, you know, paint in a can, you know, so whatever do, you need. So, and that's great because, well, how do we meet the universe? Yeah. How do we meet the universe hand in hand? What is it that connects us with, with the creator, with higher source, with higher consciousness? How do we meet hand in hand with all there is and all there is that is good? Well, in gratitude, the transcending hues of unconditional love is how we go hand in hand with the universe. It's through unconditional love, isn't it? That, and that's how we begin to recolor the landscapes of our lives. If something is gray and barren, mm. it's because unconditional love isn't present. You're not hand in hand with all that could be. Yeah. And that's just acceptance of what is out there, how we began mm. today's podcast acceptance of the greater rather than fearfully trying to manipulate some outcome that's going to be less than the greater. And so acceptance of what is out there and who is out there in whatever form they may appear to be, acceptance of that other person who's been spiteful or mean or arrogant or disrespectful, whatever it is, acceptance of what is out there just like it is, just like they are, while in the same present moment accepting the authentic person that is within you without manipulating it to appease or somehow be validated, the presence of the power of unwavering belief which has kinetic properties, that's what unleashes an explosive yet peaceful way of transforming our circumstances. And so it's the presence of this positive energy within our physical bodies 
that establishes this immovable vortex that's at work here, that's attracting change to the uh, gray skies of life outside the back door. And it begins to transform the repetitive landscapes of our lives into vistas that are filled with the magic of a mesmerizing starry night. And you know something else? In a hundred years, you'll not be forgotten. Your presence will demand an explanation everywhere you go. <laughs> I love that. It'll demand an explanation. <laughs> That's perfect. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Who was this? We weren't expecting you, ever. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> By the way, if you ever have an opportunity, some of those masterpieces from Van Gogh's Starry Night or, or you know, Over the Rhone to... Monet's, Water Lilies, whatever it is. The locations for all of those and many of the other uh, classically painted landscapes around the world, they are still available to visit if you like to travel. If you ever want to see one of your favorite paintings play out before your eyes. But you don't have to go there. Just take a meaningful walk where you are and do it in the present moment Mm -hmm. and allow the colors of creativity to change what you see. And, you know, everything that you're describing today is such a specific way of approaching life. It's such a specific way of living. Um, but I have to say, the more that you do it, it's like walking a tightrope. I mean, the more that you, I'm sure when you begin, you're just falling off and falling off and falling off, but it's the consistency. It's the consistency of pursuit that allows it to become um, natural and second nature. And that, and that does happen. And I think if, if anyone's listening that is at the beginning of the journey, um, I think that's full of hope and that's exciting because look, you know, it will be, it's very soon, it's coming soon that it's going to be easy. It's going to be simple and it's going to be just, again, that's, it's going to be like second nature. And it's the process when you're falling off, you're still imagining to walk the tightrope. Exactly. Exactly. Because every person has an expectant will. An expectant will that attracts whatever it is that they imagine to believe and they attract it to form. Mm. And on the experiential level, for example, well, let's take falling in love with someone. Falling in love is compared in quantum physics to that of a form of entanglement. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if you will. Mom, I'm entangled. (laughs) Don't if you won't. I'm entangled (laughs) with him. You don't understand. You don't understand. It's beyond me. Well, but there's truth in that. Like, it's funny what? as that is. And there's some truth in that because falling in love, not just not just with someone else, but I'm talking about in love. To fall, to fall means to abandon uh, the safety of not falling in love. Yes, it's abandonment. Also means you can't help it. <laughs> so there's a recklessness yeah. to it. I couldn't help swerving down the embankment. There I go. <laughs> But there I go. Yes. So you fall in love in the same way with life. You fall in love with life. You fall in love with your position. Yes. You fall in love with what is in the present tense so that more will come. But in the creative matter realm, once to understand the mechanism, to open up the hood here of falling in love and to look under the hood, once two particles experience a shared state, there. They are no longer separate entities, but they exist as one in the same way that that, uh, the coupling moves two people into an entangled sense of oneness, Mom. You have to understand what's going on here. Take notes. But this is also true with the empirical world around us, which includes our circumstances. So whatever we're expecting right now where we are is attracting circumstances that are entangling with our bias of expectations. Mm. 
Love is such a strong word, isn't it? Can be. It can be. <laughs> if there's fear involved with it, when when you and I, and this was just weeks after we met. Yeah. And I said, Maggie, I, I love you. I said, well, I love you too, Steve. And I said, well, wait a minute. Wait. <laughs> I said, I'm in love with you. And I said, well, I'm in love with you too. <laughs> and I said, well, I'll see you later. Yep. Okay. See you later. <laughs> Bye-bye. But that's really how it, that's how it happened. But, because, but love is a strong word and it has two very distinct meanings mm-hmm. that are polar opposites one from the other. And that's where we people get messed up with this all the time. So how can we know for sure what unconditional love is? Well, let's just call it true love just for the sake of learning, because you can be the giver and recipient of the most highly sought after power source of all time. When you find the answer to the age old question, what is true love? (laughs) Did Shakespeare have anything to say about that? A little bit, yeah. Okay. What is true love? True love. <laughs> Obsess much? <laughs> you know. Uh. E- emotions, you know, emotions that we often call love can come and they can go quickly. And so when, obviously, love is based upon a an emotion that says... An infatuation. I am love. Um, it, it, that's, it has no staying power right. to it. Rooted in nothing. But true love, the kind that lasts a lifetime, that has to be developed and it has to be cultivated. Yes. True love is more than a feeling. Okay, It's a choice, which is good because sometimes people that you love can make you feel warm and fuzzy feelings when you're around them. But then when those feelings begin to fade away or the other person isn't quite what you hoped that they would be, that's when true love, which is a choice, kicks in. Mm. And it's rooted in something else now. Yeah. It's bigger than that. So the power of the creative life force attracting and manifesting isn't working just when you have a feeling of being in love. Yes. It's working when we're making a choice of allowance, which is the opposite of being manipulative. You know, the one that says, well, I'm going to marry them and turn them into what I want them to be. That's not true love. No. True love considers others before themselves. Considers, and in that way, considers them as they are. Not to change, but the consideration is, that is what you are, and that's what you are becoming. That's what you are in the present moment. Mm -hmm. That is an outright insult. Listen, that's an insult to the lower state of being, the ego, which all of us have. To allow it to be. Mm-hmm. The ego wants to change them. The ego wants to control. The ego must manipulate in order to continue to sustain its, its sad little life. And that's why true love that we're talking about is a discipline. It is on purpose and for a purpose. This feels like the ultimate um, expression of acknowledging us as spiritual beings having this earthly experience within ourselves and within others. Because the process of evolution is so, so diverse and so different in every person and in every creature and every being. And so the acknowledgement of that can hold so much power, not just for you, not just for them, but even for your future, you know, the power of reciprocity. Um, because, you know, if you're going around and, and allowing your ego just to jump all over everyone, that's not going to be good for what's coming back around as well. well. It, it, <laughs> it shuts down transcendence, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it? It does. keeps you from blossoming and blooming and, and, and growing it, because true love has nothing to do with how somebody treats you. 
Not at all. And it has everything to do with the love coming out of you. Everything to do with your acceptance for what is so that you can continue to grow beyond it. Yeah. And it's where your attention is. If it's a vertical perspective of existence, then the vertical line of growth is the one that we adhere to. If we take that vertical um, sense of observation and we, we turn it down to the horizon, then there's, there's no vertical... Yeah. pursuit in our lives right. or attraction in our lives. We're not attracting the greater mm. and that which is beyond us. This is so powerful too, because, you know, love has a way, those, the emotions of love have a way of making everything a little fuzzy, a little confusing, you know, did, were they really toxic or, or were they just having a bad day? You know, it can, it can cause you to make excuses for different things in your life where the, there should be no excuses because of the the transcended life that you are purposing to live. So, you know, it's almost as if uh, true love allows you to take a higher perspective mm-hmm. of the real mechanics of life and see things as they truly are um, so that you can, and, and obviously like you were just saying, you know, you're accepting these things, but having a clear vision on all facets of life and relationship is is going to be huge. Because in true love, whether they are toxic or not, it has no effect on you because we're over that. We're above that. So the toxicity of the environment, which all of us know is the world is full of toxic waste. It, it has no, uh, yeah. <laughs> but we're above its reach. I was going to say, it has no effect on me, just my address. <laughs> <laughs> Just your mailbox. <laughs> just just who has my phone number. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> in other words, when you're in higher consciousness, you understand that others may not be. Mm, yes. And where they are in their spiritual development now is, is, is perfect for where they are in their spiritual development. Yeah. And who are we to change their development? If you take a baby and put them behind the, the, the wheel of a, of a car, that's an accident waiting to happen. Yes. <laughs> Let babies do what babies do because it's part of development. It's part of the, it doesn't matter if you're you can be a 60-year-old baby and still have the needs of a baby, but that's so that's none of our business and you get out of the way of the transformation of the evolutionary process of the spirit, mind and body where others are concerned and allow them to gestate and to become the greater which is without manipulation, without us interfering with that process. Isn't it interesting that within relationships when somebody's at a different place than you and maybe they do something and and you and you sense that oh, that that made me feel bad that made me feel rejected mm-hmm. or fill in the blank the emotion what a great red flag to be aware of that look if if you have emotions that are rising up from the actions of someone that you're speaking with or in relationship with what a huge red flag that your ego is feeding its identity from the actions and opinions of another human being, which is way off. That I mean, that's like pull the press the big red button, pull the lever, stop everything. We have to recalibrate. Something is something has gone completely off the rails here. Well, you're in the wrong identity. Your I has become the lower I, and your 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 thoughts are which are being reasoned with. You are not doing what I expect. You are not meeting me where I want to be met. And most often, in the same way, when people think about love, you know, well, 
depending on where you are, most people think of hugging, kissing, and holding hands, among other things. But true love goes far beyond those acts of physical affection. And so it isn't exclusive to intimate relationships. Love is just a word to describe the most powerful nucleus core of creation in the universe. And if we're not centralized, if we haven't centered ourselves down there with the levers at the core of this powerful operative manifesting machine, then the things that you're talking about are signs that, hey, wait a minute, gut check, spiritual Mm -hmm. check. I'm not where I should be in my own life. Well, and yet again, the concepts of kinetic belief, especially right now in relation to true love, are expanding us. They don't, they will never diminish us. So the, it's the, it's the false concepts that will diminish you, that will, that will pigeonhole Mm -hmm. you into these tiny, teeny, tiny, narrow relationships that don't feed you and they, they, you know, give you anxiety and it, there's nothing good about that. But I just love how everything that you keep taking us back to today, when it comes to kinetic belief, it's just blowing our mind out of the water. It's blowing out the vacuum. It's blowing out all of the space within us and within the universe, allowing us to just constantly expand, expand, expand. But and you're, you're looking around, well, do I have any flags that I need to be paying attention to? Right. But what's so cool about what you just described is that we don't have to take care of the red flags to succeed. We have to simply turn and expand and turn and adhere to the true love and the relationship with the universe. And it will swiftly carry us away. Thank goodness. We don't have to, you know, get into the muck and the grime and deal with that stuff. Just, you don't deal with the red flag. You deal with yourself Yeah, exactly. and you just know that, you know what? I, maybe I'm not in true love here. Mm-hmm. Maybe I am, on the same level. And I I am being affected by the negative people around me in a way that's not good for me. And it's, it's wrecking my own life as a result of all that. So what does a person look like that's operating in true love? What do you, what does that appear to be? Mm. Well, they're not harboring unforgiveness. They don't have any bitterness toward other people or life in general. They are mesmerized by the starry nights of their positive imaginations, by seeing the best in other people and the best in the world around them, regardless of what the news is trying to pump into their their thoughts. They're patient because you're not trying to change other people. It doesn't, what you do, you do because you do it. It has nothing to do with me. I'm not trying to change anybody else anymore. I'm not trying to change things. I'm not trying to change circumstances for that matter. Circumstances change, but not because I'm trying to change them. Mm. And that's key. A KB understands that it's our responsibility to change ourselves. And the manifesting change to our circumstances and the people that are attracted to us, that all of that comes out of the universe. All of that comes to us and is assembled by God, by our creator, as a blessing to our lives. Not because we stacked it up in a way that we expect, but we are allowing for the greater to enhance our lives because we're doing the mindful, egoic work now. Because we have to reason with it and say, no, I cast that down. We're putting in the work with the journaling. We're putting in the, the, the hands to um, uh, labor mm-hmm. of staying in true love with all that's around me by accepting it as it is and working on the change within for ourselves. Well, that's the ultimate culmination that all of this is coming from the creator. We cannot do this ourselves. That's, that's the whole 
enchilada right there. <laughs> That's everything that we need to know because it's quite depressing when you try to pursue all these things on your own. Your intentions are good, um, but you're not doing your proper 50%. You're trying to go the 100 yards and do it all yourself, and that's not going to work. There's a very uh, specific and perfected recipe that we have to adhere to. So a person that's operating in true love, they're kind to other people, they're kind to the environment, they are kind to all other life forms, to everything. They don't break things. They are kind. They're walking in an acceptance of what is. They're not rude. They're not inconsiderate of other people. And I can hear somebody right now saying, but Stephen, you just don't know what they did to me. There are no buts in true love. (laughs) <laughs> a cavey doesn't, t- doesn't tell people what, what? they want to hear. <laughs> they tell them what they need to hear. Mm. True love isn't quick to get angry or offended either. And the work here is not to be touchy. The work here is not to be fretful, not to be resentful. The awareness of the presence of higher consciousness isn't available to the reaches of an ego. Once you're in that place, the ego can no longer even communicate with it anymore. There's no more reasoning. There's no more double-mindedness to it. It is because it is. You are joy, happiness, uh, success. You are love, not because you're reasoning with it and trying to become that. You just are. And true love doesn't get offended. You know, it's the awareness of the presence of higher consciousness is not available to the reaches of an ego. And the, the world is just gestating toward perfected completion and it's doing it on its own terms in which we don't want to be a part of that in that. Mm. And it's filled with imperfect people who need whatever it is that they're going through And if you've been going through it with them, perhaps it's because as hard as it's been on you, you've needed to go through it with them too for your own development. But here's the deal with transcendence, the longing for more and the longing to no longer be in that with others, that desire to come out of whatever it is that you're going through. It's evidence of the presence of true love within you. And it's proof that, you know what? A manifestation is coming through you. There's a manifestation of higher source that is wanting to be birthed through you. It's recognized your desire for more. Mm. And now all we have to do is get the ego out of the way for the birth of that new child. And you can feel it as, as, as I'm listening to everything you're describing and telling us right now. You can feel that this is the ultimate way to live fearlessly. To this is the antidote to fear to live within true love, within unconditional love, in the in the truest way, the most sincere way that you're describing. That's how we cast out all fear from our life, once and for all. Fear is there because we think it's going. Something's going to cost us something. But the price we pay, whatever that may be, connects us to the priceless. To things that are beyond our ability to even pay for. Yeah. And it's not easy to see that when we step up to the register. <laughs> but it's worth anything that we could ever put a price yeah. on to stand your higher ground. And this will attract more. That's, that's another beautiful part of this. Um, you know, this is absolutely going to attract True love relationships that true love will mm-hmm. be right. no doubt it just as long as you ad, you know 
can stick to patience and <laughs> and continue the kinetic belief of true love. Yeah. It will show up. And being a KB will eventually surround you with other KBs yes. that edify, encourage, celebrate, and champion you, just like you're doing then. That is the presence of true love. Yeah. But I, I think I need to say this. Even in the middle of the awakening process, I have to say that an abusive relationship is not one that anybody should tolerate. Right. If it's abusive, do not enable the abuse for one more moment, but end it in true love. Absolutely. 100%. True love is lasting. It's eternal and it's persevering and the transformative dynamics of its creative power means that it never fails. Yes. Count on it. You can trust in it. Well, and you know, you just mentioned never staying in in any kind of abusive relationship and that still fits into the plan of true love because true love will always begin with self. Always. It will never, it, it doesn't, it flows through you and out. It has to begin from the wellspring of your own identity. And so that's, that's the only way. And you have to journal what it is that you are imagining, what you are imaging. You write it down uh, mm. exactly what you're desiring and you see it and you meditate on the colors because you've got to practice yeah. true colors. You have yeah. to try practice true love. It will, like we were saying, it just dissipates. If you don't practice it. I remember that I just had the most vivid memory of my day one of journaling. This is, gosh, over a decade ago. Um, but I remember on the opening, you know, the inside of the first blank page, like the opening of the cover, you know, like the blank side of that. I remember writing, I am not going to write anything negative <laughs> In this journal. <laughs> and that's a positive. That was the first thing I wrote. <laughs> that's, that's, and then I just great. determined, you know, I actually made this little bulleted list of like the only things that are allowed um, in this journal are my inspirations, my imaginations, my dreams, my pursuits, you know, just really defining what I was going to put in there and thusly not realizing it at the time, but really defining what I was going to allow into my life. But it's the journaling process that is enabling you to practice your life, exactly. practice the higher viewpoint because you don't wait until somebody is ugly to you before you practice it. Yeah, there it is. Because it's the unprepared that fall victim to the negative. Absolutely. A KB doesn't have love. They are love. A KB doesn't uh, have joy. They are joy. A KB doesn't need inspiration. They are inspiration. And so it, no other love on earth can compete with the love of higher consciousness, that of oneness that is within us. The earth can't take it, in other words. The earth can't steal it away. Mean people cannot overcome your true love either. <laughs> There's not one thing they can do to overcome it. And true love works because it's powerful and it never, ever fails to attract an expanding flourishment to your life. Mm -hmm. True love is so powerful that it can love regardless of whether or not it's loved back. Not only does true love like whatever it's doing, by the way, if you're sitting there right now in a cubicle and you're thinking, I don't like this. Well, you're not in true love. True love loves everything you do because you are love. Yeah. Not you don't love because something's loving you back. You don't love because hey, this is inspiring me to 
staple all these these pages together. No, you, you're loving it because you are that. That's powerful love. That is kinetic belief love. And it makes you the master of every situation. And when you are awakened to it, no weapon of words or deeds that come against you can be successful. No one even has the ability to hurt the feelings of a KB who's consciously practicing true love because you are not ruled by emotions uh, anymore. And it's so important not to assess or even have opinions about the reactions to true love because they're going to be so vastly different. It makes me think about um, when they uh, take, you know, when somebody buys gold and they melt it down and the process is that they superheat it. Mm-hmm. So it burns off everything, any impurities, it burns everything off except the pure gold. And it makes me think about that's kind of like the process of true love. Like, you know, it's just going to singe away mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. that's not that's supposed good. to be there. Yeah. Um, but being aware of that as well, knowing you might have some, some extreme responses and that's okay. That's okay. We have to be okay with that. Extreme this is what we're doing. Extreme responses, no responses, all responses, whatever, has nothing to do. You are simply loving yeah. because it's, you are that. You're loving. And so, yeah, the and, and I'll tell you, in a world that's going in the other direction, most responses would appear to be extreme. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Your presence demands an explanation because it's so extreme. But that's what it looks like from the core of universe-altering, manifesting power. And you are revolutionary and you will always see success. My friend Maya Angelou said that my mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive. And to do so with some passion. To do it with some compassion, some humor, and some style. Success is loving yourself, loving what you do, and loving how you do it. And that's what she wrote. And, you know, if your love is the title or the money or the position, many of the things that you feel like you have to do around your love, you're going to do it with resentment. And if you do it with resentment, in other words, if you do it, sorrow comes, you're in sorrow, you're in resentment, I am telling you, you will lose whatever it is that you think you love. And then the tragedy of life is that you'll never manifest the happiness or the fulfillment that's trying to manifest through you. Our job each day as KBs is to have true love for whatever we're putting our hands to. And I'm telling you that your best life will follow. Let's just work on some highest viewpoints. Say this out loud. Say, I'm living my best life. I'm living my best life. I trust my creative genius. I trust my creative genius. And I always make decisions. And I always make decisions. That become great. That become great. I am excitedly focused. I'm excitedly focused. <laughs> on my manifesting life goals. On my manifesting life goals. And I'm passionate. And I'm passionate. About my creative authority. About my creative authority. I have no stress. I have no stress. I don't hurry or worry. I don't hurry or worry. I love living. I love living. And I am so grateful. And I'm so grateful. To see more of me each day. To see more of me each day. And right now. Right now. I am growing. I am growing. And developing. And developing. To advance my fullest potential. To advance my fullest potential. I possess. I possess. The substance of belief. The substance of belief. To pass through. To pass through. Any obstacle. Any obstacle. Including this one. Including that one. That, that ever one. comes to me. <laughs> that ever comes to me. <laughs> and right now. And right now. I'm using my authoritative power. I'm using my authoritative power. 
To create all the successes. To create all the successes. And all the prosperity I desire. And all the prosperity that I desire. You know something? Hey, you know what? Life is amazing. Life is amazing. Because I'm amazing. Because I'm amazing. And I really do love me. And I really do love me. And I love you. And I love you. Just like I love me. Just just like I love me. (laughs) Just like I am. (laughs) Just like I am. This is my one natural life. This is my one natural life. So I am going to fully. (laughs) So I am going to fully. (laughs) Abundantly. Abundantly. Live it today. Live it today. Oh, what a fun and love-filled podcast this has been, Steve. It's just just fantastic. Sending out so much love and light to <laughs> all you KB creatives all around the world. True love. Sending true love. I love it. <laughs> Thanks as usual, Steve, for all the wisdom. Bye.